Well, let's face it, we're kids of the of the 1970s. Um, I was I was in grade school when the 70s started, and I was in college when it ended. And you're a couple of years younger than me, so given that frame of reference, what are your memories of that time, if any, of Jerry Lewis? Back in the day? Yeah. Well, it was all telethon related. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I, I looked this up. 1970 is when the Love Network had, I don't know, 100 stations or something. And for a minute there, for, for one day, a year, it was the fourth biggest TV network. It was important. Yeah. And for people who didn't grow up in the more glamorous era of show business, it kind of gave us an entree into Dean and Charo and uh, all these characters that we would have never heard oh, of otherwise. Oh, good, good point. I also remember they would do the toss, right? So we'd be watching, I don't know, somebody either top tier or second tier or third tier in Las Vegas. That's where it was originated out of when you and I were of an age. Um, and then they'd go to Harold Taft in the studio at Channel 5 or something. He'd go, uh, you know, it was the most low-rent local studio time in the world. And I remember, I'm not kidding with this, I was fascinated by Jerry Lewis's hair. That guy's hair was something else. Like he was still sporting the, the Buddy Love hair. That shit was reflective. Like like his his head looked like a black 57 Chevy. I couldn't get over it. It know. was Im it was impressive, and even at the time, you're like, "Well, this isn't real." It's your first uh, realization that everything is not as it seems on these shows, and <laughs> it, it just looked expensive. It didn't look real. I didn't know what to make of it, and I was later to find out about a thing called amphetamines. I don't know if Jerry, you know, hurt his back and was on pain pills, or was was taking you know trucker speed to stay up. For two, now that I now looking back, I'm like 24 hours. How, how big a deal is staying up for one day? It's no big deal. And by the way, I can't uh, in in this day and age when everything is coming to light. I've heard it said credibly that it was his anchor gig that once a year he got paid a million bucks to do this TV show. And that's back when a buck was a buck. Did you ever hear that? Didn't know it. <clears throat> Makes perfect sense now. Why not? And they never found a cure. So what what up with that? I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm my degree is in fine arts. I'm I'm not going to weigh in on that, but but I heard that you know he was a wealthy guy. I think that house that's in The Godfather, the only part of it that was shot in L.A. with the fake Robert Duvall is is and the and the horse's head guy are walking around those grounds. I think that's Louis B. Mayer's old old place, and I think when when Jerry was riding high, that was his home. So okay. He had it going on and uh, finished his years in a yacht in San Diego. But, but during the Hollywood time he was living, they tell me, in that house. I think he he lied so much, but I, I think he ended up with the rights to all his old Paramount movies and had a huge income. And, you know, even even a million bucks a year of infusion of cash in the in 1970, a whale of a lot of dough. Yeah, so in 1972 or three, <laughs> and this is where we're headed. He made a little thing called what, Bill? The Day the Clown Cried. The Day the, the Fucking Clown Cried. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. 
there are two <laughs> there there are two threads to this story. One is Jerry Lewis, and one is you and me going to the silent movie theater on Fairfax. Now, the silent movie theater in the eighties just ran silent movies, as the ta- as the name would suggest. And the fellow, the lovely guy, I never met him or anything, but he was a he was a beloved local guy. He got uh, mugged and killed out in front of that place, and it closed. And when you and I went there and saw, and I used to go there to see, you know, I'm an old film lunatic. And, uh, but then it became something called Cinefamily. And it was operating under the name Cinefamily 2007 to 2017. And right about halfway through that run, <laughs> Jerry Lewis was going to do a, a meet and greet. I mean, a Q&A, a Q&A. On stage, kind of Lipton-ish. And, uh... Okay, so this day the clown cried. It was, uh, I don't know if it was finished or not. There's so much mystery wrapped around this thing. But it was about a, a clown working the concentration camps. And I guess the idea was he would lure the kids into the, you know, into the death chamber of some sort. Yep. And, and uh, I found a quote on, and I think this is in Wikipedia, from Jerry Lewis, who said this about the movie. It's either better than Citizen Kane or the worst piece of shit that anyone ever loaded on the projector. I don't really know. <laughs> Your thoughts? You be the decider, except nobody's the decider. He hasn't let this thing out. I guess there's some small clips you can find on YouTube. <clears throat> but for film buffs, it, it's the holy grail. It is the, the the gem that nobody's seen. Maybe a couple. Harry Shearer, I guess, saw it back in the day. Claim, claims to have, but his story is very weird when you read it. He never really says anything except, it was horrible, it was horrible, it was horrible. I'm like, yeah, what was in it? Boy, was it bad. So I don't know what to make of that. Well, when I heard him talk about it on Stern, he talked about it in the distant past. So you got to factor that in. Yeah. And he could be full of shit. I hope he is. Because that just adds more confusion to the story. That, dude, I've heard things like Jerry Lewis, when he traveled, kept it with him. Like Walt Whitman with uh, Leaves of Grass. You want to keep working on these masterpieces throughout your lifetime. Uh, who knows if that's true. But it's one of these things growing up you heard about, but it wasn't talked about much. And if it was in his presence, it was uh, with hushed tones or uh, he would ruin you if you were a journalist and asked about that movie at the wrong time he would make your life miserable i came to find out later after uh what we're going to talk about transpired. <laughs> oh so you know what we're going to talk about oh yeah what right? a surprise. <laughs> and and uh you know i've heard that it was never completed i've heard that there was government not u.s government but wherever it was shot somewhere in the nordic countries you know, things got locked down because somebody didn't get paid. That there's that there's a copy. Who knows what it's on? Thirty-five millimeter. I don't know what the shit is on videotape. I don't know what what physical version of it exists. And Jerry Lewis is what they call fucking nuts. And so, if you ask him on one day, he'll say he's proud of it and it's great. And if you ask him on another day, well, he says other things. And if you ask him if it's ever going to come out, he says yes. If it's ever going to come out, he says no. So I don't, and he's dead now. So I don't know, man. 
I, I, I remember this, Bill. I gave you a, when John Stewart was on The Daily Show, he put out a book one Christmas and it had like a Mad, ma- <laughs> Mad Magazine centerfold, like a gatefold that, that you'd fold out of the middle. And it was the White House in like Mad Magazine-y sort of detail. And one of the items on there was a screening room for the day the clown cried. You know, the implication being the day you're elected, they tell you what happened with, you know, if the moonwalk was real and if JFK was killed by Oswald and and they show you the day the clown cried. I loved that joke. I think think that joke was written for six people. So uh, we stood there in your house in L.A. heading out to this Q&A, very well attended, lines down the block. Got pictures of it somewhere on my phone. We're about to leave the house. And I said, <laughs> I said, let's flip a coin to see who gets to ask him about the day the clown cried. And you said, how's that again? I said, you know, that lost movie is. And you said, I don't give a shit. I'll ask him. I put the quarter back in my pocket. I shut up and we got in the car. I found him to be, he was still, he still had his marbles. It seemed like not long after that is where you see these weird things on YouTube of him torturing that reporter. Yeah, so what? He, he looked a thousand years old. He looked old, but pretty, pretty cool that night. Ten years ago at this time, so uh, 2013. Uh, didn't you think he was 100% lucid and fat? Yeah, I, thought sure he was fat. I thought he was yeah. fast. Yeah, he was funny. Funny, and I remember this. I remember a couple of things. Uh, he was a lot. It was still lodged in Jerry. He didn't have that going. I don't know what that was about. Just about the first thing he did was grab a lemon drop candy and unwrap it and stick in his mouth. And he said, this stuff killed more of my people than Hitler. That was his opening line. And we're and we're in Jerry world. He was mean to the questioner. And he was nice to the audience. And he's like, why are you asking me questions? I want to hear from the audience. What do they want to know? And they sort of had a docent running around with a microphone. But it seemed to me that he gave the sharp elbow to the James Lipton substitute and was pretty damn nice. And, and I even, in my mind's, you know, this may be wrong, but I think I even remember somebody asking just a lady going, can I just have a hug? And got went up there and got a hug. That was her question. So he was by turns warm and friendly and voluble. And other times he'd bite you like a damn rattlesnake. Is that, was that how it seemed to you, Bill, or what? Well, again, we're talking 10 years ago. What I mostly remember, it was kind of semi-star studded and a lot of people asking inane questions I remember Ileana Douglas, uh, who we all recognize, asking Jerry, where did you get your sense of fashion? And I'm like, well, this is some hard hitting uh, questions going on here. I don't know, the wardrobe department, you know, uh, who's a Greg Proust, Proust, your guy, your I like, Yeah, I like him. I do too. I'm just saying they were they were sending him a, a lot of softball questions. And, and listen, he was like the... Washington Monument. He was like a, a national treasure who who gave his time to us, and we were all pr- pretty impressed down here. I can tell you. That, that <laughs> well, he certainly seemed like a building. He certainly seemed like oh oh. You mean you exist in real life? It was not a small deal. It was a big deal, and I kept getting in the line trying to ask questions and getting pushed back to the end of the line because there were more important people there asking more important questions than I. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, you and I were a hundred feet apart at that moment. And what I remember was Rashida Jones, who's since gone on to be very damn famous. 
ahead of you in line. So you just, you just kind of notice, hey, there's a sitcom star right in front. You know, it's hard not to notice that. Okay, so you're inching, cl- you're inching closer to the front of the line. I am, and I kept getting pushed back again, and the docent kept grilling me about what question am I going to ask Jerry? I didn't expect that kind of grilling, so I'm like, I'm going to ask him what's it like to be Jerry Lewis. I don't know. Oh, so, <clears throat> oh because you've – okay, we're going to show the clip. I, by the way, on this show, uh, I, I restrict myself to stuff that I, I actually took, music I recorded or, or – uh, pictures that are on my phone, that kind of thing. I had, and, and the, uh, the artwork that's on the front of this podcast is you and me standing in front of an old Cadillac. I tried to get a picture of Rip Torn in an old movie called Payday because I thought it was appropriate. That's a story for another time. I got, I got eaten alive trying to do the right thing and pay for the rights to use an old obscure picture of a dead actor from a movie nobody's ever seen. Turns out it was going to cost a fortune. So I've gone the other way. Um, but I, this is on my phone because you did ask, well, you ask him what, what you just said. What was it like to be as famous as you were? And then you get into the day the clown cried and to the astonishment of everybody in the room, he fucking answered the question and it made the Today Show, right? It did. Uh, but not before the docent, once I spit the real question out, she hit me physically, Bizarre. struck me. I should have fallen down and cried uh, because I felt like it. <laughs> like a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> but I then got a direct answer from Jerry. He said, and he, he says, do you want to know? At first he said, well, you'll play the clip. I I'll play it. Here it is. One minute, 16 seconds. I was close. It's 76 seconds. It's got 40,000 views until I got shut down. That's the next story we'll tell. And I had one Desert Island Jerry Lewis question. It is, are we going to ever going to get to see the day the cloud cry? No. <laughs> no. You want to know why? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Simply because it's very easy to sit in front of an audience, and in terms of that film, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of the work, and I was grateful that I had the power to contain it all and never let anybody see it. It was bad, bad, bad. It could have been wonderful, but I slipped up. I didn't quite get it, and I didn't quite have enough sense to find out why I'm doing it, and maybe there would be an answer. Uh-uh. It'll never be seen. Sorry. I'll tell you how it ends. Yeah. Buddy. And I would add, part of the re- part of the reason he didn't get it right in the early 70s is because he was high as a duck's balls in the early 1970s. So that's Well, it. again, there's a little self-aggrandizement going on saying it could have been great. It could not have been great. There was nothing that could have made it great. But uh, says it might be better than Citizen Kane. Yeah, it probably, might. Probably not. So. So, yeah, we. We were astounded at everything that transpired. That <laughs> was a that was a lightning bolt, buddy. And we put it online, right? Yeah, and within I don't know a few days, I had forty thousand views. Go ahead. And then we get contacted by the same family. I right. got a phone call. 
by a guy who is up shit creek for life for uh, Me Too. I'll just put it that way. If you want to look up Cinefamily on Wikipedia, it spells out why this guy is done giving me any shit. He called up and said, hey, you know that uh, video you took? Really, we own that video. We own the rights to it. So would you pull it down from YouTube? And I found out it's because it was the first time in their history anybody had given a shit about, you know, I caught the Zapruder film. Nobody cared about filming stuff or posting stuff 10 years ago from Cinefamily until it made the the Today Show. And then I did see at one point the exact same footage, but shot with a good camera from 10 feet away by them. But that's been pulled. It's not up anywhere that I can see. Probably because Cinefamily ended in disgrace because that guy's an a-hole. Wow. All I remember is months after the affair, I'm watching the Today Show and the great Matt Lauer who had his own issues, said somebody asked Jerry about the day the clown cried, and it cuts to a close-up of Jerry talking to me. He was talking to me. Uh Really me, uh, because I'm the one that won the coin toss back at the house. Pretty much, but that's how how it shook out. And it's just one of those things, Charmy, my life, where I just had to shake my head and go, how do these things happen? I don't don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! And now, Cine Family got me too. Jerry Lewis got me too. Matt Lauer certainly got me too. <laughs> we're the last men standing. You and I are the only Boy Scouts. We yeah. cuss and stuff, but we're pretty square. Yeah. So it was. Uh, I mean, if you're a cinephile or you love Jerry Lewis or anything about Hollywood, I mean, it, it was just like a storybook uh, event come to life. And, oh, and- hey, you know what we skipped over. Uh, 1980? I know I'm close. You and I devoured a copy of the Golden Turkey Awards. It was a, it was like a, a couple hundred pages magazine-sized paperback with Plan 9 from Outer Space and, and Terror of Tiny Town, all kinds of stuff. You know, stuff's old hat now, but I can tell you, 40-something years ago, it was revolutionary for people to put out a slick book of movies that suck and it was funny. It was it was super well done. I don't know how it holds up now. I haven't read it in ages. Well, we, we, we went from that, and then we graduated to Hollywood Babylon. Thank which, you. Which pretty much ruined us for life. Because <laughs> if you're into that thing, into that culture, into those stories, and then we end up out in Hollywood, whoa, man. This Okay, is, Who's, whose birthday was it last week? Kenneth Anger. Oh, he's, wow. He's a man of a certain age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was directing movies in the fifties. Wow! And wrote uh, wrote uh, Hollywood Babylon and Hollywood Babylon Two. And I later listened to a a, a really good podcast I endorsed called um, "You Must Remember This," and one whole season was devoted to tearing down the stories in Hollywood Babylon brick by brick. Oh man, they should do that. <laughs> like an actual Mythbusters. Yeah. No, they, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, could, the, could this be done? <laughs> oh, oh, plausible busted. That's right. Could Victor Mature go golfing? <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually put a sock full of nickels <laughs> and got... <laughs> Got a tall guy to get on his knees, and he sunk a three-footer. Plausible. Oh, yeah, we have a new gig for Adam of Mythbusters. Well, sir, I think that about wraps it up for uh, for Jerry. Hey, you know what I also hear? I hear that uh, 
1976 was the the absolute peak of the telethon and their ratings and their influence. That was the year that he brought Dean out. No, 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 no. Sinatra brought Dean out from the from the wings. Sinatra's going, I got a friend that brought. And they've, you know, the 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 legend is that, you know, it was handled in absolute secrecy. What they're saying now is, of course, Jerry knew that Dean was back there and <laughs> that they'd had any number of conversations over the years. How could you not when you've got umpteen movies tied up together and you probably know each other's wives and kids? Now, not every, you know, there, there were there was probably incentive to not, you know, John Lennon in that Playboy interview somewhere says that the Beatles played together, jammed together after, you know, after the breakup. Who, what do you know about a thing like that? You know, the can you say? But uh, yeah, you know, that actually that actually meant a lot once upon a time for Sinatra to bring uh, Martin and Lewis back together for two minutes on the telethon and say absolutely nothing to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed cool yeah. at the time. Yeah, it is cool. And it's a cautionary tale. The question that I asked at the top of the the Cine family clip is these guys were bigger than the Beatles before the Beatles. And it was just the two of them. What was that like pre Elvis, pre the Beatles, they understood that level of fame and how do you survive that? Well, you know, you don't as a, as a team, there's too much pressure going on, but that's, that's always, it's like talking to Neil Armstrong. It's like, what's it like to be, on the moon and then come back, you know, cause nobody can sustain that kind of intense fame. And, uh, he could probably eat lunch at the local deli and not get gurmed that hard. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually fascinated by that. And he, he was one of those guys who, who lived through it. And, and, uh, I don't know, it's just catnip for guys like us who, yeah. The do, you first- know, do you know which, uh, you, you, you moved to LA before I did. Do you know which restaurant he really, uh, uh, Dean really ate at every week? That I've heard ten different answers to that hamburger. Uh, hamlet, hamburger, hamburger Hamlet. I've heard that, but I've heard other places too. But the, you know, he was in he was in bad physical shape, and he lasted for a few nights on a. I remember a big ad in the L.A. Times for the Rat Pack is back, but I think by then it was Liza instead of Dean. A story that got publicized at the time was. Uh, Dean was at a at a thing with Frank and Sammy during this reunion tour, late 1980s, and uh, Frank came up to him and, and Dean tried to order a drink or something, thought he was a waiter, and that was, like enough was enough. But he was so fucking out of it that he didn't recognize Frank Sinatra standing next to him and tried to get him to bring him a steak. And and uh, so he got kicked, he for sure got bounced off the tour, and, and you know, it was after his son died, he kind of melted and and the, he he appeared on a series called half nelson clips of that joe pesci as a like comedy detective lasted part of a season who was up for that role and has two thumbs this guy i was up for a role against joe pesci in theory who uh, lunacy i was probably five years out of college and i'm up against joe pesci i don't know what and i'm short i don't know what the hell they were thinking that doesn't act, automatically make you in cut, I'm sure Pesci wishes I had gotten the gig. <laughs> He's still inconsolable. <laughs> right. Well, I'm not going to show any clips from Math Nelson, but you should look it up. All right. <sighs> Great job.
Good job on the on the question. You got, buddy. You got you were nervous by the time you got to the front of the line, but you got some clankers on you. That was all right. All right. And then thanks, it bro. Went, then it went great. It went great. It made pretty wide news the next day, and and uh, it was on track to. I bet it would have millions of views by now if Numbnuts hadn't made me pull it down voluntarily. Maybe I'll stick it back up. I don't know how that stuff works. Well, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm your version of it, but I'm wondering if the Today Show clip is up. Huh. Well, maybe it's a repost or something. I don't know. Maybe I put it back up after that guy got in trouble. Yeah. And I guess I guess uh, the building, the old. Uh, 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 Cine Family slash Silent Movie Theater lives on under a new name. Oh, it's across the street from Fairfax High. What TV show did you film at Fairfax High, Bill Allen? Uh, O'Hara. I nearly got killed on that set. You invited me to come out. This is the O'Hara with, with Pat Morita. And uh, there was a gag in the episode where somebody jumped off Fairfax High. You know, it was 50 feet or something. It was way on up there. 40 feet. It was a tall building. The stunt guys were were working out the kinks without without securing the area. So I was walking along, whistling. I think I was trying to find craft services four feet from the building, and they dropped a sandbag. I felt I felt the ground shake. It came so fast to me. So, no, that was me. <laughs> Drop. You're up there, and three. God, Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky windage. I missed him by three feet. He owes me twenty bucks. Yeah. All right, I'm out. We'll see you next episode. Right on. Oh,